Space and welcome to episode 110 of the Worldwide Chelsea podcast. It's your host Matt back again. Uh, first game of the season and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host as always, Uncle Jesters. How are you doing my friend? Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, it's a win at a place we don't win very often. It was not, uh, it, it was not anything to uh, savor or write home about, but we got the job done and we get to move forward. So yeah, I'm all good. What about you, my, my friend? Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long day. It's been a, it's been a, it's a decent day, obviously, for nearly four hours of streaming, thanks to all the extra time that we had to have in the game. Uh, but there you go. Um, doing watch-longs, it's a, it's a hard old thing to do when you've got a review and then a podcast straight after. But we will get through this, as always. Um, and then, because we love to give all the content for you, and we have slacked a little bit in the summer, partially down, mostly down to me, but there you go. But we are back for the season, so we will give you as much content as possible. Uh, and obviously, it is also nice to always talk about a win and a win against Everton, which we haven't had in five years at Goodison Park, which is always nice. Finally, can all curses be broken this year? Next up, Bournemouth. Um, so we'll start with the little stats breakdown for all you stat lovers out there. Um, so Chelsea had a total of 63% possession compared to Everton's 37. Chelsea had 15 shots for six on target compared to Everton's eight and four on target. Chelsea missed one big chance, whereas Everton didn't miss any. Chelsea made a total of 560 passes with 87% accuracy, whereas Everton made 331 with a 74% accuracy. Uh, Chelsea made 14 out of 21 dribbles, whereas Everton made 10 out of 13. Uh, Chelsea won 69 duels, made 19 tackles, 8 interceptions and 16 clearances, whereas Everton won 55 of their duels. They made 24 tackles, 29 clearances and 8 interceptions. Um, Jesters, before we get into the starting lineups, um, it was kind of a bit typical Chelsea in a way, but it didn't actually go the typical Chelsea way. We actually got the result, didn't we? Which was nice to see. Yeah, I, I mean, there, there's there's two ways to look at it. Um, one way you could say half glass uh, empty uh, is that the performance was not up to snuff. Uh, glass half full. We made one, a one nil a one nil stand up away from home in a in a place we don't win. So we didn't win in, in five years. So that's a uh, that's glass half full. But uh, you'd like to see both performances, right? Keeping a clean sheet at a place like Goodison, but putting four or five past them, which really, uh, with the quality of the, of the starting lineup, we should have been doing. Definitely, with all Everton's problems as well, of not having Dominic Calvert-Lewin, not having Rondon, they've lost Ricardson and transfer. Um, they had a Wobie in midfield. They had um, other issues as well. So it is a bit surprised that um, we couldn't do more against them. And obviously, they had their injuries coming off as well. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit of a annoying one in terms of we're not getting more of a result. But... It is a Chelsea thing. It's typical, uh, and it is unfortunately. I think we just have to go baby steps as we go through this season. Which, despite the amount of signings we're going to make, 
I think it does need to be some sort of transition season because you can't make all these sign-ins, but more than one squad I expect to be firing straight away. Um, we'll kind of obviously go into the starting lineup, which I actually for once got spot on, which is surprising considering Tuchel loves to change it up a little bit. So in goal, we had Eduard Mendy, a back three of Koulibaly, Thiago Silva, Azpilicueta, wing-backs of Chilwell and Rhys James, uh, Jorginho and Kante in midfield with Sterling, Havertz and Mount completing the front three. Um, Jesters, what did you think of that starting eleven? Was it something you predicted and was that something you expect? And did what was it, what did you want in terms of that lineup? Well, I, I, that's what I expected. The only thing, the only person I got wrong was Cuckoo for uh, Chile for Cuckoo. Um, I got Cuckoo in there, and uh, I, I mean. Uh, Cuckoo even said Chile wasn't ready to go. And then he, he was in the starting lineup. I was like, what? No, he wasn't ready to go. And uh, yeah, so that was the only that was the only one I got wrong. The rest of them were as standard as as I thought it was going to be. Um, some people had Chalaba starting over Aspie, the team captain. Sorry, I, you know, I, I'm not his biggest fan, but he's still team captain. And he's still here. He's going to start over a... Uh, academy product who has looked shaky recently, and I was being generous. I so yeah. Other than that, it was it was uh, standard as as I thought it would be. Uh, but after what we saw, maybe it shouldn't be so standard, right? It was just not good from uh, um, several players on the pitch that I hear nothing but. Oh, they're the glue or the engine or the silky German or whatever the hell. Well, guess what? They didn't look like any of that today. It looked like a Sunday league, a bunch of Sunday league players out there that had one too many beers. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't great in some parts of the attack. I mean, we'll get into kind of the more individual uh, people in a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think the reason I kind of went with well is because I, I originally thought that um, well Cucurella hasn't really had a pre-season at all because he's been kind of waiting to go to either Man City or Chelsea or whoever was going to come in for him so he's not really played for Brighton at all so I thought it would be a bit silly to throw him in straight away after one training session with the team and Tuchel did kind of mention that after the game um, and then he said Chilwell obviously isn't ready so you think Alonso but then as we kind of heard from last night, Alonso is effectively already on his way to Barcelona, has said goodbye to certain part members of the staff. So it kind of then doesn't make sense to play him. So I think Chilwell had, I think Tuchel's kind of had to throw in Chilwell because I don't think he really wants to go with an Emerson. I don't think he has a squad number. I don't think he wants to go with anyone else. Uh, so he kind of either had to throw in Chilwell or Cucurello. And I think Chilwell was at least played with the team. So I think that's why he did start in the end. I don't think, I think, I did see a lot of people very un for me very unfairly slagging him off. Um, I don't think he played terrible. I think he played he was quite average, um, and he was a bit nervous on the ball. But I'm not being funny when you've had a, when you're coming back from an ACL tear, you're going to be a bit nervous of what you can do on the ball. So I think people need to give him time. But you know, 12 year olds on Twitter, they don't give they don't give anyone time. So apart from you may surmounts and you cobham people. So there you go. Uh, it is what it is. Um, obviously, we had three debuts today, uh, two from the start, 
and one off the bench. We'll start with kind of um, the one at the back, uh, Kaladu Kalabali. Um, what did you think of his debut today? That's uh, silver regen right there. Um, very physical, great in the air, uh, fast. Like I've been saying, he's faster than I, I, I thought he was. Um, yeah, we're not we're not missing Rudiger with Kula, with Kulabali there, and I don't want to hear, oh, we're going to miss Ru-. Kulabali. Yes, he's thirty one, fourteen months older than Rudiger, but he's been a world class center back for years, and to think that oh, he's going to have to have to adjust. He's never played in the Premier League. <laughs> Come on. Yes, certain players, when they're young, they have a huge adjustment. Kulabali's seen and done everything. It's not like we're playing a different game. It's the same game. Yeah, it might be a little faster. Yeah, it might be a little bit more physical. But it's not like he's slow and and, and falls over at the drop of the hat, unlike some people. So, yeah, I didn't ever get that. Um, he, to me, he was brilliant. Had cramping. No injury thing, you know, for everybody who doesn't want to play for, pay for Fafana. We have a 38 and 31 year old that had cramping today. And we had to play Reese James at, at right center back and move Aspie over to left center back. So, <laughs> yeah, please still bring me Fafana. Yeah, I think I'm trying to get them up the quotes up now but I think Tuchel mentioned um, how obviously his whole back three um, was over the age of 30 and that he said that they were struggling with um, the physical fitness um, in the attack so and that's why obviously the thing he had Koulibaly had to come off um, Silver was even struggling a little bit um, of cramp as well uh, and hamstring kind of thing. So it's understandable. Um, where is it? I'm just trying to look for it. Yeah, he said all three of our players in the back three are in their 30s and we struggled a bit in general at the end of the game. We need to improve our physical level and we're on it. So it's understandable. And I think that's why we do need, We obviously you, you have Chalaba who is a backup. Um, but you do need someone else, uh, and now Carl Wilk is going out on loan. Um, Fafana will have to be that guy. I don't necessarily completely agree with the fee, but it is what it is. He's on a big contract, um, and Leicester don't want to sell him, so you have to pay what the market rate is for him, and at the moment, that's the market rate. Um, so you either pay him and get the player, or you don't, and we struggle. Um, that was the problem we had last year, and it, made, it meant we struggled in the positions that we didn't get, so... I would rather get him because I think he's the good fit of player. Uh, I am a little bit worried about the injury, but then it is a broken foot. It's not like an ACL where you don't, you've got, you can't really come back from it once it's healed. It generally is okay. Um, so we should be all right with that. So let's go get him in uh, and let's improve the defense. Um, well, not maybe not the improve the defense in terms of quality, but to improve the defense in terms of depth um, because I think, as we saw there, we do have a decent defence, at least in the defenders part of it, maybe not the midfield but that's just a continual problem with Chelsea uh, that I don't think will be solved unless we get proper reinforcements in um, Moving on to another player um, made the starting debut, Raheem Sterling up in 
some sort of attacking role. I think you know he's they, they end up swapping every five minutes because I think his other counterparts couldn't seem to play on any side. So I think he was just trying to do his best to accommodate, accommodate them as much as he could. Um, what did you think of Sterling's competitive debut? Yeah, he was he, uh, of the starting attack, which this is an un, this is very underwhelming. Uh, he was the best player out there. Um, didn't have a high bar to jump over, though. No, the other two didn't set the world on fire by any means, a stretch of imagination. But he, he shows his quality to turn. He's got more strength than I thought because he held some people off, uh, went through some tackles that maybe, you know, let's say Christian Pulisic would have gone, would not gone through. So he's stronger than I thought. Uh, his movement is good. But the other two that played with him were just atrocious. And the midfield did not do them any favors. So, but yeah, for his debut, um, you know, he did have the ball in the back of the net. He was offside. Uh, but you can tell that he's he's a different, diff, of, of different quality than what we're used to. Uh, the only time we've seen quality like that on the wing was probably the uh, Project Restart Pulisic. But since then, we haven't had really an attacker in that kind of, that can do those things that uh, he did in the game. So, yeah, pleasantly surprised. He'll get his goals. I'm not worried about that. Um, he's just got to. He's just got to have somebody that. He's got to have the people around him, right? It's just everybody says, "Well, this individual, yeah," but it also has to do with the people feeding him the ball and getting him in the correct positions. Oh, you there? Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I was done. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Sorry, I, I just watched the GOAT score, so. Okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, for me personally, I think he... he I, I thought we had a very good game today. Um, I thought, obviously, he was lively. Uh, he tried to create as much as he could. Uh, unfortunately, he just didn't have anyone next to him uh, to help him out with that. And no one really behind... Well, Kante really behind him, that's about it. Um didn't really have much support, um, but as you said, he, he was quite strong in his tackles. Usually, I, I do look at Sterling sometimes, and he can be sometimes go down a bit too easily. Um, but I thought he was very strong. Uh, he was getting kicked a lot today, uh, and there, I think there was definitely a time when I think they should have probably given him the penalty. Uh, you look at some of the photos; it looks more like something that you'd arrest someone for, let alone uh, give a foul for. But there you go. Um, and obviously, he had the goal that was chalked offside. That was just a bit unlucky. Um, it is what it is. But I think he's lively. And he just, he, he, it sounds a bit obvious, but he looks like a Man City player in terms of, he's not rigid in terms of he has to do this to a specific system. He he can think for himself and try and do the unexpected and try and do something different to almost break the lines, create space. And we don't have that unpredictability in anyone outside of Christian Pulisic in the team. Um, Mason Mount isn't, is not unpredictable. Havertz is not unpredictable. Um, he's unpredictable in terms of his shooting, but not in a good way. Um, there's no one really else in the, that team uh, apart from him and Pulisic, which is why I think going forward, I think him, them two, and a striker, whoever it may be, may be the best pair in for Chelsea because it's it would be quite dangerous to have 
two unpredictable players in Pulisic and Sterling playing together um, with hopefully someone in, in the midfield behind helping and feeding them with the wing wax. Um, but yeah, I think Sterling played very well. Obviously, didn't get a goal contribution, could have got that, but I think that will come and I think hopefully he'll be a very good player. Let's just hope that the only worry is you, you, you don't want, you find sometimes players will drop down to the levels of players around them eventually after a long period of time. So I hope Sterling doesn't drop down to the levels of his other attackers today because we do not want to see that. But I think Sterling has the professionalism to try and keep his levels up uh, and hopefully bring other people up to his levels. Um, obviously, the final debut today was off the bench. I think he played in total about 25 minutes with all the extra time. Uh, which was Cucurella, who we signed as of yesterday, uh, haven't really spoke about. So, first of all, what what did you think of the signing in general? What did you think of his uh, quite short debut today? Well, I, I was very adamant uh, at the beginning of the summer that we weren't going to have 100 and some odd pounds um, tied up in, in left wing backs. I was wrong. I guess we are going to have a Hundred some odd pounds tied up in in wing backs. Uh, he is he is different from Chilwell. Chilwell to me is is he's explosive, but he's more of a, a left back than a left wing back. You know, he's a little bit more stiff, a little bit more straightforward. You know, horizontal than vertical in his movements, whereas. It's Kukurea has has more sauce to his game. That's that's probably the easiest way I can say it. Is he just has more? He just has that. I you know. He's Spanish, and he, you know he he's got that little extra spice to his game. And yeah. I you know you, I don't think you're going to see that. His passing is amazing. You know he had the the, the great uh, cross. Well, I've been asking for our. our our fullbacks to actually pick up their head and and just not fire it across and see if there's somebody sitting there on the penalty spot. Well, he did, and unlucky for Raheem Sterling that that somebody made a last ditch block. But you can tell that you can tell why we paid what we paid for him, and I would be shocked. I would not be excuse me. I would not be shocked if going through the season. That we don't end up with uh, Kukurea as a as our starting wing back, left wing back. Um, it's quite interesting. I read I read uh, an article stating that Marina and the board wanted Kukurea and Frank wanted Chilwell, and that's why we ended up with Chilwell and not Kukurea in the first place. Um, don't know if that's actually correct. Uh, it's not the, but you know how things are, have been this summer. Everybody, nobody seems to know what's going on. So if that's the case, that's again that's um, tax as uh, English tax based on. Well, if it's an English player, they must be better than their counterpart from a different nation, and I just don't find that to be true at all. Oh my gosh, he didn't. Sorry, Messi just brought the ball down on his chest. Bicycle kick. Scored. Sorry, that's my goat. 
<laughs> Actually, it wasn't uh, a bicycle kick. It was with his with his left foot. So, what do they call it? An overhead kick? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Well, it's a, it, it's it, it's a fa- it's a goat goal for for the goat. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I get what you mean. I think personally, I think if that is true, then I think it is what it is. I remember at the time, I still had like kind of questions on Cucurella in terms of um, his defensive ability a little bit when he was at Getafe. Uh, and that's why I was probably not so keen on him. But I think it was just more the way he was used at Getafe um, rather than him. So it's always one of them things that you when you saw him at Brighton, you see that actually he is good at this defensive work and then your mind over changes. But, I mean, I'm perfectly happy to have Cucurella and Chilwell in the same team because obviously you can have Cucurella starting left wing back, you can have Chilwell starting a left wing back, Cucurella can also play left centre back potentially. So it gives us options that if you, if you want kind of, do you really want to be attacking against a certain defensive team, you can have Chilwell and Cucurella who will both be bursting forward. Um, and creating different passing ranges from different angles. So um, it gives us a lot more options and gives us almost plan A's, plan B's, plan C's, plan D's. Uh, we haven't had a plan B, let alone a plan C or plan D. So it will be nice for that. I think he was nice and tidy today. Obviously, didn't get lots of uh, time, but I'm glad we signed him. I'm glad we got him in. We desperately need wing backs. They're important to the system. Uh, and I think it will be the catalyst to hopefully get us to push on and at least start challenging for uh, more title honours um, for the trophy cabinet. Um, obviously, we've been kind of waxing lyrical about certain players at the moment in this game, but obviously there is some negatives that we have to go through um, and talk about, um, starting with what I will call the glue of the Chelsea team. He glues the Chelsea team together, but unfortunately, that glue was bought from the 99p store and stopped working after about 20 30 minutes. Uh, and that is currently Mason Mount, Casper the Ghost, uh, of today. Um, Jesters, what, what did you think of Mason Mount's horror show? Um, or as you said, uh, in the stream, did you notice that he played? Yeah, I, uh, I'm sorry. Um, he is not an attacking player. And I, I do give him props for playing out of position and, and leading us last year. But there were so many times in that game where a pass was played, you know, off to him, a little bit in front of him, and he was always a step too slow to get there. But he doesn't have the pace that you want from an attacking player. He doesn't have it. Sterling would have gotten those balls. Christian Pulisic would have gotten to those balls. But... For us, it was a turnover, and those balls were played properly. He just doesn't have the pace. He doesn't have the wiggle. He does not have. Uh, he doesn't have the, the brain for of an attacker. He has the brain of a midfielder, and it shows in his game. And I've said this all last year: you cannot play Havertz and Mount in the forward position, forward three to get together. They're the same player. One's just taller. They're the exact got, same yeah, player. The same haircut at the moment. Yeah. And, and there's sometimes, you know, because the feet I was getting 
through uh, through uh, from from Goodison was um, sometimes they panned way out, and you couldn't tell the difference between Mountain Havertz on the field. Uh, you really couldn't because they they play exactly the same, and you cannot have that in your team. You can't have that in uh, a team that you you want to go and, and win trophies with. Uh, Mason Mountain needs to be put in the midfield or in the ten roll with two strikers up above it. You know, you could have put him in the ten today and had Havertz and Sterling playing the you know right forward, left forward, or or however you want to say it. And I think that we've been we would have looked a whole lot better because you end up with two players dropping in Kai Havertz and Mount. And then Sterling's supposed to do everything by himself. I, I just, he was just, he ghosted most of the game. He just wasn't there. You cannot ghost against Everton and tell me that you're unsubbable. To the point to where Thomas Tuchel said, you're sleeping and pulled him off the pitch and put Pulisic in. You, you, yeah. you did catch that on the sideline, right? He had he had the, his hands to his cheek like you're sleeping. Yeah, then, I I didn't catch that straight away, but I did see that um, after the game. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, Thomas Tuchel's not stupid. I think he's seen that enough times by now. And I think he, in private, I wouldn't be surprised if he's told Mason that before. Um, I think sometimes it gets to a point when you do it too much he's going to do something in public and he's, he did obviously did that and i think he's well in his right to because i do get the point you were mentioning i think he is a number eight and like you said I, I give him credit for playing out of position for so long um but i think especially if we are going to get other attackers in this summer um if that's a big if because i don't know if we will or not but if we are going to get another attacker in this summer um, I think it's time to say that if Mason Mount can't play in the attack, he doesn't start and he doesn't play in the attack, um, full stop. Because it is getting to the point, especially as you said, playing with him and Havertz. Uh, we'll get into Havertz in a little bit more uh, detail in a little bit. But you can't play them together, uh, as you said. Um, and it's it's all right to do that against Everton. Um, but as as we know, next we have Tottenham. Um, and Tottenham obviously won four one today. Yes, Southampton were very rubbish, but we cannot take this Conte team lightly, um, even if it is uh, the bottle job of Tottenham. Um, so we need to fix up the attack soon um, and get firing. Otherwise, we will struggle again this year. Um, simple as that. No matter how good the defence may be or the wing backs. Um, let's speak. Obviously, you've spent a little bit of time on. Havertz, but I'd I'd oh, wow. argue I'd argue that he was probably the worst player on the pitch, possibly the worst player that played in the Premier League today, other than Salisu, obviously who scored that terrible own goal uh, against Tottenham. Um, what do you think of Havertz? Obviously, I'm kind of I'm kind of at a point where I'm starting to get on the idea of is Havertz on kind of fraud watch. Well, I think I think there's a whole lot of people in our team on fraud watch. Um, when your manager's coming out uh, after a preseason match and said, well, "What's what's wrong with your attack?" and he said, "It was the same players. That's why our attack looks like this." 
well, the shot's fired, right? It's not just a shot. It's, you know, it's a dropping a nuke. Um, again, uh, I Havertz had a couple moments, but my guy, you're supposed to be the silky German. Just what we need. He won Chelsea the Champions League. Well, what are you doing since that? He had some. He had a couple good one-two moments with Sterling. Not enough. But I also think that if you play a different uh, player, like let's just say Christian Pulisic, next on that right instead of Mason Mount, or if you play Mason Mount with Christian Pulisic, you're going to see them play differently. Because then you have two actually attacking players who can beat somebody one-on-one and can cause chaos with their quickness. Then you will see the best out of Mason Mount and both Kai Havertz. So I just think the pairing cannot continue with Mount and Havertz. Uh, It just doesn't work. And uh, I've been on this for a year now. You know you've done many pods with me. I've been on this. You cannot play them together in the attack. If you want to play one in the midfield and one in the attack, they're in different position groups. And playing Mount as an eight is where it needs to play anyway. If we don't play with an eight, then you're going to have to to come off the bench for energy to close down a game like Connor Gallagher came in today. Okay, sorry. I can't have you uh, retard our attack because... You're not an attacker. That's just, you can't have that anymore. I expect more from this team. Yeah, that that is fair enough. Um, I think, personally, I just, I look at him and I think, as you said, with the whole Champions League, I think everyone does kind of, any time you say a criticism about Kai Havertz, it's either, oh, he's young, or, oh, he scored the Champions League goal. Well, Michi Batshuayi scored us the goal against West Brom to win us the league, but we don't talk about Michi Batshuayi. He has to stay in the team because he won. He he scored a goal to win us the league. Uh, that's not how it works. You don't live off one moment, and if you do, you haven't got the mentality to be at Chelsea Football Club. That's simple as. Um, you don't just live off. Didier Drogba didn't live off his one Champions League goal. He didn't live off one one of his cup first cup final goals. He went on to create more moments more uh highlights of his career to make a great career not just a great moment in a career um and i think Havertz needs to for me i think he needs to figure out what what his position is because i just look at him and go well you're not really a striker you're not really playing well as a false nine you're not really playing well in the wide areas either but and we don't really play over number 10 and when he has played at number 10 he's not really looks good there so my question would be, well, first of all, Kai, what is your position? Um, and two, what are you bringing to the team that, no one, that no one else is bringing? And two, that you're actually good at? I mean, the thing that really frustrated me and got me almost out of my seat livid was obviously where the eventual Godfrey tackle happened. And obviously, he looks like he's broke his ankle or leg, uh, which obviously... For him, hope he gets well soon. Uh, it's horrible to happen to any player, um, but that wouldn't that tackle and pay possibly would have never have happened if Kai Havertz wasn't dilly dallying on the ball in the box for a good four or five seconds and did nothing with it. For me, as an attacker and as a as a 
technically the striker of the team, for me, that's criminal. Uh, you cannot be doing that, especially as a silky German, as everyone calls him. Um, and I think, again, I think he really does need to be on that kind of, I don't like, I hate to say fraud watch because it makes me sound like a 12-year-old Twitter stan, but um, he does need to be looked at as if you don't improve quick, you are not going to be in this team. And if you go for a third season where you don't look good, I'm sorry, but you may be, you may, you may be looking to go out the door as well and follow Timo Werner back to Germany because maybe that's where you belong. Um, it sounds harsh, but in a club where we have to win titles, scoring one goal in a Champions League is simply not enough. Um, and that is what it is. Um, I'll kind of leave it there because that has got me a little bit angry. Uh, and rant is now officially over. Um, although we're going to go to another part of the midfield, another part of the team that might generate a few more rants uh, or just a few more typical moments, um, which is the midfield itself. Obviously, Jorginho Kante. Um, I personally saw a lot of Twitter slander on Kante. Personally, I don't know. I don't really understand it, but there you go. Um, but what did you think of Kante and Jorginho's performances today? Yeah, I don't get the Kante thing. Kante played a typical Kante game. Yeah, he's not going to be amazing in attack. I don't know why why people don't understand this. Kante is there uh, as Jorginho protection and to, to break up play, win the ball up, and you know, make the first pass. That's Conte. And he did all those things. He was he was actually the best Conte I've seen in at least the last part of last year. Um, so I, I don't get that. Um, I think Jorginho gra- drags that position group down. I thought Jorginho was terrible today. Um, 83% pass, re- uh, pass completion. 83%. And there were times he passed the ball right to Everton. He was making passes right to Everton. And when, when another player does that, they have the pace and physicality to track that player down and try to win the ball back. Jorginho cannot do that. Um, he is, he, you know, he passes the ball to Everton and then, he, you know, it's like running in molasses out there trying to get back on defense. I know he scored he scored a penalty today. He didn't win the penalty. It's like, you know, being gifted a goal. Because for me, penalties should be 100% every time. They're professional. From the spot, you should be scoring every time. Because if you, you put your laces through it, very few keep, keepers have the reaction time to save it. It doesn't matter where it is. And he, you know, fair play. He scored the penalty. But I'm told that you're amazing on the ball. Guess what? You aren't. And also, it looks like the referees this year aren't going to give you, oh, I had a little contact, I'm going down. You know how many times he did that today and didn't get, didn't get to call? All our players, actually. There was a lot of our players. Little contact went down, and they got waved back up. So... If they're going to call it like that this year, he's in a heap of trouble. Because that means you can press him. And he's either going to have to fall on the ball and get a yellow card. Or you're going to fall off of him and he, and he can't do anything about it. So bring me Frankie DeYoung. 
and put him on the bench where he belongs or at Juve who might be coming in for him. I, I, I know people love him. Uh, you know, even some, some of, uh, even your guests next year, next week, he loves him. I, I'm telling you, I'm done with Jorginho. You think he's a Ferrari, but he's really a Fiat. Done with that dude. Yeah, I mean, I, in terms of first of all going on to cancer, I think I, I agree. I thought actually he played. He was one of the better players on the pitch, if anything, one of the best players on the pitch. I think he was defensively, he was usual Kante. Um, you can't really say no more about that. Um, it's not a surprise. And then even in the tap, there was times where he made good passes, made good dribbles. There was a time when he took the ball down really well, played some good interchanges with Raheem Sterling. Uh, he was kind of, he always was on that left-hand side, almost becoming that part of that chink of the armour of Sterling, Kulabali, Chilwell, Kante, and they were all spraying balls with each other like they've been playing with together for years. Um, and that was really nice to see. Unfortunately, the right-hand side wasn't producing that as much um, because half the players played really terrible on that side. But there you go. Um, and that's where I think we need to improve. But I thought we played really well and it amuses me why people are slagging him off. I don't know whether it's a trendy thing on Twitter now to hate Kante. I personally think if you hate Kante, there's something wrong with you because he's one of the most likeable dudes out there. Uh, and not a lot of footballers are likeable these days. Um, and then on the Jorginho side, I think it's, for me, it's just a typical Jorginho performance. He passes the ball around quite simply. He He's not particularly fast with it. Uh, he does slow it down. There was a time where he could have made a forward pass to Sterling. He didn't, and it, Sterling was flinging his arms up in the air, and I thought, bloody hell, it's Lukaku. Oh, wait, wait, it was Sterling, because it's just the same situation of Jorginho not making a pass. Um, but, and then it's the same with, he's slow in defence, he loses the ball, um, and we I personally just think we can't keep moving on with this. Uh, I think I'm happy that his contract is up at the end of the next summer, because if he doesn't go this summer, I'm happy just to let him go. Uh, I don't like to let players go on a free, but if we can't get anyone for him, which I think personally, if Frankie De Jong is coming in, I think it'd be nice just to let Jorginho go, use that money to get Frankie De Jong in, and then almost start preparing for a new style of football without Jorginho, um, and then a new style with hopefully plenty more midfielders to come in. Uh, obviously, we've got this Carney Chukameka that is obviously going to be at the first team, so on the few amount of games he gets, he might be able to show something and we might have a new midfield in, which hopefully does not include Jorginho because I think the longer we keep Jorginho, the more it holds us back. Um, so hopefully he can move on to Italy and have a good glorious end to the career because I think if he, when he, if he goes to Italy, he'll play very well, just like Timo Werner. If he goes to Germany, I think he'll play very well. It's not that we did something wrong with him. It's just that he's more suited to that league. And sometimes players are like that. Um, I'm not going to disrespect a player for not being suited to a league. It's just the way it is. Um, and if you need but if you need to move on, you need to move on. It's just the brutal part of football. Football is a brutal sport. Most people don't make it. Uh, and the players that do, they have to be at the highest level or 
they won't make the cut. And unfortunately, I just don't think Jorginho makes the cut in his team. Um, but there you go. Um, obviously, we'll kind of finish up this game with kind of who would be your man of the match of this game? Well, I, well, I would probably have to say Thiago Silva because he played all night at, or Conte. Um, really, yeah. That that should tell you all of, all, all you need to know about the game is we won one nil, but the man of the match goes to two to defensive players. <laughs> you know, either Thiago or I, I consider Conte a defensive player. I know he plays midfield, but really that's what he's known for. Um, yeah. yeah, I I can't see anybody giving anybody else. You know, Reese James had a huge amount of key passes, but they were all from corners. I don't think he was very good uh, today. And most of the performance um, was terrible. Yeah. Um, he just didn't, I don't know, he just didn't look interested today. When, it, when Every time I, the camera was on him, he just looked like, what am I doing out here? That's, I mean, that's not what he was thinking, but that's what I, I kind of, it kind of made you think of that. Um. He wasn't aggressive like you know he usually is, uh, and I and hit when RLC came on. I know that he made some mistakes, but there was he was away on goal until he was brought down as a, as a wing back, and James didn't do that the whole match. Um, maybe that's because the play, the person that was over on his side didn't give him that opportunity. Uh, we won't say any names, Mount. Uh, but, you know, put RLC and Christian Pulisic in there, and now all of a sudden, Ruben's able to drive and go past somebody and, and you know, win us a free kick. So, I, you know, Chilwell, I'll give, him, I'll give him a pass because he's just coming back from injury. But I don't know. RJ didn't look at it today. I don't know why. Yeah, I think sometimes with Rhys James, I feel like at the beginning of the season, he does almost, he's either on it or he's not. He's kind of struggles with kind of fitness a little bit. So I think it is a little bit of that because I think in the other games that in preseason that he's played, it's been a bit similar. Um, but I think we know the quality of Rhys James, so I think we'll, he'll kind of eventually go into a better form. Uh, so I'm not too worried about that. But I understand what you, you, you your point. Um, my personal man in the match was actually Kulabali. I know he didn't finish the game, obviously, with the injury, and I can understand why some people would pay, maybe choose other players on Thiago Silva. Obviously, I think got it on Sky Sports, and I think I would, wouldn't disagree with that at all. Um, but I think I think I saw a stat in the end of the first half that Kulabali had 100% success rate tackles, 100% success rate passes, 100% success rate dribbles. And it's like, that's near enough a perfect half for a defender. You can't really ask for more than that. So I think he played very well because it's his debut, first time in the Premier League, and he didn't look out of place. So I personally gave it to Kulabali, but I can understand him not making the full game that why you wouldn't give it to him for that reason. Um, but I agree. Silver, Kante, 
close second and third um, in the team. Uh, and yeah, as you said, it kind of shows the defensive performance um, and how poor we were in that attacking section, apart from Raheem Sterling. Um, but it is what it is. We move on to Spurs next week, which will be a hard game, but I'm sure we'll get through it. Um, some interesting news that has literally just come out while we were on the pod. So nice bit of news for you guys. We'll probably know this the day after, but we'll discuss it now. Uh, it's about probably just as one of his favourite players in the world, uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi. So Fabrizio Romano has said Callum Hudson-Odoi could now leave Chelsea for regular game time. Southampton has recently tonight asked for Cho on loan, now pushing with Chelsea FC. He was also discussed with Leicester a couple of days ago, but it's up to the player. Hudson-Odoi will make his future in the next few days. Jesters, so I know you have a love for Hudson-Odoi, one of your favourite players in the whole wide world, as we all know on this podcast. Um, But what what do you think of the rumour and... What, what do we think? What do you think Chelsea should do with Callum Hudson-Odoi? Well, I don't want him alone. I want him sold. There is nothing there. All right? This is season number five, man. Got, the, the kid is not good enough to play at this level. Get what you can get for him and send him on. I mean, we, we can find somebody to, to, to do the orange slices. We don't need to keep him with his salary around to do the orange slices. We could, we could, we can hand that down to uh, somebody else in the squad. Maybe Jorginho when he goes to the bench when Frankie Dion comes in, he can start you know put some Italian flair on the slices. Maybe that helped the team. But no, for me he's he's it's got the go situation, man. You're not good enough. You have never shown to be good enough. It's time to go. Go find your legs. Go find your career someplace else. And really, I don't think he's good for the Premier League. Good enough for the Premier League. He needs to go to the Bundesliga. You know, maybe, you know, maybe Liga would be more his speed, but it ain't the Premier League. Yeah, I think obviously I, I've never really been a massive, massive Hudson Odoi fan. Um, I've always kind of peddled the idea. I think. I would give him one loan just to see what he can do. Um, and what I would probably regardless sell him after that, whether he plays well and we can get more money for him or he doesn't and we just sell him on for whatever we can get. But if, say, for example, obviously Southampton do want him on loan, but say, for example, Leicester, we are looking at a Leicester player right now. If we can buy Fafana for whatever money, but then in a separate deal but effectively technically a swap deal we can ask money for Kalamazan Odoi and maybe get a bit more than what we would with other people then maybe it is a good idea that we sell Kalamazan Odoi on get some money in and make back some of the money that we've spent on some of these signings that we have so far um I personally at the moment I'm not apart from yeah apart from Raheem Sterling I'm not I wouldn't. I wouldn't exactly say no to offers for any of our other attackers at the moment. Um, whether it's Havertz, Werner, Ziyech, even Pulisic. I think Pulisic is going to stay um, at least for this up up to the next summer. Um, but we'll see how that goes. But I think any of the others, 
whoever can get an offer in, they can go. Um, if it, if the offer is up to standard, um, I think if we can get, no, this is me just plugging a figure. Uh, I, I think we'd be lucky to get it, but 25, 30 million. If we can get that for Kalamazoo-Doy, I'd snap your hands off right now and get and give them to you. Um, I don't know. I'd, I don't think he's... Re- I agree with you. I don't know whether he's completely suited to the Premier League. Um, I think Bundesliga would naturally fit his style. Even even Liga, I don't I don't know whether he suits Liga either. Maybe La Liga um, might suit him a little bit, but I think Bundesliga would be a natural... I suppose, progression for him to go to. Um, and if he does leave, good luck to you. Hopefully you can pick up some sort of form and make something out of your career. But four goals in four years with 120 grand a week wages, I just don't think that's particularly good enough. Um, and it would be just good to get you off the wage bill. Um, it sounds rude to say that, but it is what it is. We have too much wage for too many uh not players that are not good enough. Um, so that is that is what it is. Um, obviously, there has been other rumours coming in and out. Um, Wesley Fofana, we kind of obviously mentioned that he's a player we both definitely want. Um, would there be for you any price that you wouldn't want for him? Or would you just say whatever the price is, we pay? Well, we, we know it's going to be around the 80, £80 million pound mark. You know what? Not my money. I I could care less. If that's who Thomas Tuchel wants, go get it. And it looks like, if I remember correctly, Fafana's name was mentioned at the beginning of the summer as well. Thomas Tuchel has a type he likes at center back. And he likes them tall, over six foot. So I think that, again, that's why Koundé is is, uh, not playing at Barcelona, but a Barcelona player, if, if you get the joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, I, I, if that's who, if, I, I want who Tuchel wants. If Tuchel says, this is my center back, and Todd Bowley goes, okay, I don't care if I'm overpaying. That's what my manager wants. I'm going to go get him. Who's, you know, and if he performs the way, Every you know, I've seen him perform, and you've seen him perform, and everybody says that he's a young, up-and-coming, amazing center back. I don't have an issue with it. It's not my money. It is not my money, and we have shown we're gonna we're gonna spend over three around three hundred million pounds this summer, if not more. We can pay, we can spend up to three hundred and seventy. Go use every bit of it. That's the thing about they don't people don't understand about Bowley. He wants to win. And he wants to win now, not next week, not the not not the week after that, not the you know not the week after that now. And if that means dropping eighty million pounds on Wesley Fofana, I don't care as long as he comes in and plays to 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 the the, the highest caliber that we've seen him play. I could care less what his price tag was. The reason McGuire gets slated is because he doesn't play like an 80 million pound uh, center back. As long as you play well, just like Kukurea, everybody shut up about his price tag real quick because he came on in 20 minutes and looked like, okay, I understand now. Looked better than the other guy we paid 50 million pounds for. 
again, caveat, coming off an injury. But you can still go, okay, there, there's, you can see the qualities right away. He's, he, he is a much better passer on the ball. He's a lot calmer. You know, he's not frenetic. He just – so, again, I don't care about price tag. You come in and perform, could care less how much we paid for you. Come in and do your thing. It's, 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 a, it's a very unintelligent argument to make about, well, he's not living up to his price tag. Well, why don't you just say he's playing badly? What does that have to do with what you paid for? You pay for somebody based on, number one, does the team want to sell? Number two, does the player want to go? Number three, does he fit your system? Number four, you know, can he do what you ask him to do? And that's where you get the price tag. Lester don't want to sell. You're going to have to make them an offer they can't refuse, you know? Great line from Godfather. I'm going to make him an offer he, could, he couldn't refuse. There you go. And if they don't, if they don't like it, then they'll, they'll end up with a horse head in their bed. And then we'll get it. Godfather reference, by the way. Yeah. You're, you're, you are completely spot on. Um, I don't have any disagreements with that at all. Um, I think Fofana is a player we need. I think if I'm right, actually, I think I remember that he was talked about as a potential summer target from January, February. So I think he's been in the offering for a long time. People, I heard someone say that, oh, why are we paying this much money for a sixth choice player? I don't think it's the fact that he's sixth choice on the list. I just think it was more of a fact that I don't think Chelsea knew that he would be completely available because he's just signed a new contract, um, which that would normally be natural for a player. But obviously, Leicester haven't had a good season in terms of transfers. Um, they look a bit unsettled and Chelsea find it a reason to go in for the player and potentially unsettle Leicester into accepting an offer, which it looks like they will. Because um, Leicester, they always have their price and you either pay it or you don't. So I think personally, let's pay it. Let's get the defence sorted out and then we can move on to other positions. Um, the other player that we kind of a little bit mentioned, um, but we'll go into it a little bit more detail, um, Frankie de Jong. Lots of rumours now coming out from Barcelona sources, Chelsea sources, Manchester United sources. Most of them in the way that saying that De Jong doesn't want to go to United. De Jong will either stay at, but would would rather stay at Barcelona or go to Chelsea. Um, there's rumours, obviously, that Barcelona can't actually register any of their players at the moment. They're looking to do a fourth injection of money. They might sell De Jong. They might get Bernardo Silva. Um, but Gerard Mayo, who normally we've been creaking in fear of his tweets at the moment, but for once it's actually a tweet that we'd actually like for him saying that Chelsea will. We'll get De Jong by the end of next week. De Jong is very likely to leave for Chelsea. Um, obviously, you've, you've kind of mentioned in the Jorginho thing that you'd like De Jong. Um, how good a signing do you think De Jong will be for Chelsea? Uh, I think you're, you would see um, us to go to a different level. Frankie De Jong is, started his career as a centre-back, by the way, just so everybody knows. So the idea that he can't play as a six is very unintelligent. 
He absolutely can play it as a six. It's actually his natural position. Barcelona have been playing him too up, too far up on the, too high up on the pitch, in more of an eight role. He's a he is Jorginho, but actually can pass the ball forward and can play defense. And he's not as slow as Yertle the Turtle. So. Frankie De Young is what we all think Jorginho is. And uh, for me, he, he's an instant upgrade. He can instantly play as your holding midfielding position. If you want to go to a back four, um, which everybody's calling for, he is, he is a special, special talent. Tuchel wanted him from Ajax when he was at PSG. From what I understand, so he is a Tuchel. He is a Tuchel signing. And again, I'm going to reiterate this again: If Tuchel wants the player, buy him. Uh, pull out your wallet, Mister Bowley, which he seems very capable of doing. Pay the peas, get him, get him in the squad, and let Tuchel cook. Because if we look at the signings this summer. Over the signings from past managers, the best three players you, you could say on the pitch were two cool signings from this summer: Sterling, Kukurea, and uh, Kulabali. So if he's three for three right now, let's make it four for four, five for five, and then go get Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. And make it six for six. Yeah, I, 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 I was actually the, the player I was going to come on to next, so it perfectly answered him in this segment. But yeah, I think Dion would be a great option to potentially use in the number six. Um, but we could also also get another number six next summer and potentially use him as a an eight, a ten, six. Potentially a centre back cover if we need. He's he's that type of midfielder that can play really any of the roles. Um, that's why he's talented. That's why he's worth the money. That's why Barcelona got him in the first place. Um, obviously, he hasn't been out of this world at Barcelona, but obviously Barcelona have their problems. I don't think anyone's looked out of this world at Barcelona at the moment really ever. Um, so I think it would be a good signing because I think. As I described it on one of the streams the other day, it's a triple wham it's a triple win for Chelsea because Chelsea get a fantastic midfielder that would give put us up a level. Manchester United would not get their main transfer target and would further make them into misery, which is always nice. And because we will likely give Barcelona a huge chunk of money, it's likely that that money will go on to pay for Bernardo Silva, which means Manchester City lose another one of their attackers and arguably one of their best best attackers in the team. So it's a triple win in terms of Chelsea improves, Manchester United don't get any better and Manchester City get worse. So I think personally in that kind of thing, it's a win-win-win. Um, and then the Aubameyang thing, I think it really interests me because I think he's the type of forward that would suit the way Tuchel wants to play. Tuchel has played him before, has a good, uh, sorry, it's managed with him before, has had a good relationship with him. Um, and Aubameyang is a proven goal scorer in the Premier League. Um, even at Barcelona, 
I didn't realise that he's played 13 times and scored 11 goals, which if he even does half of that here, he'd be a success. Um, so I would be much willing to have him as a stopgap uh, target um, and should what the rumours are that we are looking at this Brazilian 16-year-old talent, Endrick, for the future, for 30 million euros eventually to have in, in the future, then so be it. Aubameyang could be that replacement, and either if Brozier kicks on, or if another attacker comes into mind that we buy, or this Endrick comes in and becomes the next big thing in Brazil, and we put him in, then that's fine. I think Chelsea are looking for the future, and we're looking for now, which is nice. We're actually planning and being what a football club should be, rather than just randomly buying players and trying to randomly fit him into squads and sack him out of left, right, centre. Um, but it's nice um, that we're actually getting the players we need. Um, plus with the Aubameyang also, thing. Uh, yeah, banter. Yeah, banter <laughs> and Arsenal players usually come and win trophies. So right. it'd be good for Aubameyang. I'm sure he'd love to win a couple more trophies at, uh, in the Premier League with Chelsea. A couple more things. We, we are looking at the uh, Casades from uh, uh, Inter Milan to the, the youngster midfielder. Yeah, I don't actually know a lot about I don't know a lot about him, so... I'm kind of in the unknown of that, but from what I've heard from some Inter Milan people that I do speak about, uh, speak to, uh, they rate him very highly. So I am currently in the trust of Bowley and Tuchel at the moment because it seems like all the players that they're signing seems to have a thumbs up for me. Don't and Amari Hutchinson had an assist already for I, Chelsea. Yeah. I did. I did see that. I looked at that and was like, oh my word. Like, I'm not being funny, even with Kalas, if well, I don't want to feel like I'm bugging out Carlos Adoy here again, but I don't think he ever did anything like that in his youth days either. So um, we are acquiring some very good talents. So I am quite interested to see how this Chukwemeka, uh, how he does, because some of the clips and some of the matches I saw from the England under-19s, um, he looks very good, uh, almost like a Kovacic-type player. Um, so hopefully we have well we have lots of very good players in, um, and we can really build for the future. Um, my final question to you, and it is kind of a question that has been I've seen on Twitter, and I think from our typical fan base it is very predictable, um, and it's the question around Tuchel's future and what happens if we don't win a trophy this season. Is it a case of we have brought a lot of players in and it's a, it's still despite the amount of quality we brought in a transition season or do you think if Tuchel doesn't win any trophies this season it should be time for him to go? Yeah, yeah, because that's worked out for us so well so far. No. Um, Thomas Tuchel is our, our manager. <clears throat> this is the first summer our first t- window since he's been here, that he's actually getting his players. Todd Bowley is not Roman Abramovich. He will not sack uh, Thomas Tuchel unless we are just, you know, we're sitting in tenth place if we're pulling an arsenal. He will stay with him and let him build his team. And I don't see any of that happening with with the quality of players we do have in the squad and the quality of players that are that have been brought in or and we've been linked with bringing in, 
you know, this sucked Thomas Dukel. But Roman is not the owner anymore. That it will not happen. He only will build something with Thomas Tuchel, with Thomas Tuchel, until Thomas Tuchel can no longer produce, you know, with what he's supposed to be doing. And I, I have no, no problem saying that Thomas Tuchel will be our manager at the end of the year, no matter what. Because the worst we're going to do is finish third with no trophy. He's not going to get sacked. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's just quite frankly quite silly um, to talk about Tuchel. I mean, what happens if we get into two finals again and we just miss out on the final? Does that mean you're going to sack him again uh, and sack, sack, sack him and? For one, I'd ask who you're going to get in uh, that's going to replace him, which for me, I don't think, I think there's two, maybe three managers that's better than him in the world, potentially. Um, and even that's up to debate. Um, so, And they're definitely not going to just come in uh, like that. Um, and I make the point is, and I think both Sir Alex Ferguson and Pep Guardiola, who are two, some of the best managers in the planet uh, in their times, uh, both said this kind of point before um, in slightly different ways, of course, um, about the amount of players. If you bring in three, two or three players into the first team, that's improving the team, but you're still keeping the same ethos of the team, the same kind of system. But as soon as you, you bring in four, five, six, seven, or even eight, nine players that we might do, potentially including some of the younger players. Um, that is a fundamental change in the system um, within the first team and the squad. So in that respect, that automatically makes it more of a transition because naturally all these players aren't just going to suddenly click together right away. And there are two very established world-class teams in Liverpool, Manchester City in the same league. This is not a league where it's PSG and that might be the only competition or it's just Barcelona, Real Madrid or it's just Bayern Munich or just Juventus. Them teams have a bit more leeway that they haven't really got much competition. We're in the most competitive league in the world. We've got Arsenal improving. We've got Tottenham improving. We have Manchester United staying stagnated. Uh, we have other teams like Newcastle, West Ham potentially coming in the fray in terms of the out of top six. So it's a very competitive league. We've seen today Bournemouth won their match. Fulham drew with Liverpool. There are a lot of teams that are very good in this league and some teams that are not so good. But my point is you've got to we've got to give this this time. So if any of you who are listening to this and you are almost questioning Tuchel and questioning how long he will last, please just give it time. Give it a little bit of time. If he's desperately bad, then me and Jesters will be the first people to call him out. We don't have a problem with calling out managers. But we see the potential. We see what he wants to do. He's finally getting his players in. They are good players that I think we can prove the squad. But unfortunately, we still have players like Barkley. We still have players like hudson Doy, Werner, Ziyech that we haven't got rid of. We still have your Jorginho's of the world. We still have Azpi that signed a two-year deal, which I don't completely disagree with, but I don't think should be in the first-team squad at the moment. We still have players that are not good enough for this club. The Emersons, the Alonso's, who's eventually going to be gone in a matter of days. The Milan Sars of the world. We've got so many players that are still here 
that shouldn't be here. And while they're still here, and while you've got players in the starting lineup that are not performing, we're not going to achieve the, the the heights of Liverpool and City, who have been fundamentally good teams for three, four years and haven't really changed bar one or two players each season. Um, so I think we just need to give it time, think a bit of a bit more common sense and just be a bit more grounded for this season. Um, if we can improve in terms of system and style and necessarily just keep at the same ground third and maybe maybe a cup run, whether it's Champions League, any uh, of the FA or League Cup, I don't mind. I'm, I'm not too fussed. As long as we keep to the same level, um, I'm happy. Um, and I think you guys, anyone that is, again, questioning about Tuchel, just get, take that as a word of advice, think about it, and it will it will make you see some sense in terms, it will make you see in a different perspective for the rest of the season. Um, but I'll kind of leave that secondary rant there, because I'm sure you don't want to listen to it anymore. Um, but thank you for all listening. It's been an hour and eight minutes, and it's been nearly five and a half hours for streaming for me, so I am a little bit tired, uh, and I could do a little bit of sleep after this uh, once I've got this uh, edited and recorded and sorted. Uh, but thank you all for coming on and listening, and thank you also, Jester, as always, for being my wonderful co-host. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure, just as always a pleasure, Jester. Um, we will be back next week um, for obviously Chelsea Tottenham uh, with me, Jester's, potentially a couple of other guests on as well. We'll have probably a little bit of a longer pod, maybe. A, an hour and a half, uh, depending on what topics we have to speak about other than the game. Uh, and we'll have some episodes consistently for the rest of the season. Hopefully it's a very good season. Uh, so make sure you stay tuned on either Spotify, Apple, whatever platform you listen to. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Worldwide, pod, or at Worldwide pod Articles. Um, this is Matt. This is Jester's signing out for the first game of the season. Up the Chelsea.